Welcome back to Shrinking It Down, Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Dr. Gene Bureson. And I'm Dr. Steve Schlossman. And this is the show in which we try to take really complicated subjects in mental health and make them as ridiculously simple as we possibly can. So today we're going to talk about something really grim. No, I, I disagree. Well, it, I don't think it's that grim. Okay, I do. Um, well, I think it's very sad. It's, that's different. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah, grim is different than sad. So, you know, I was just giving a talk um, um, this week um, to a high school in Massachusetts, and we were talking about stress and um, how stressed people are and what are the, how the kids are and what causes stress in your life. And, you know, the kids were raising their hand. And they were saying grades and pressure and family and, you know, breaking up with a girlfriend or boyfriend, and then one kid said, well, loss. I said, like, what kind of loss? I said, like, death? And then I said, did it, then I asked the kids in the high school, I said, raise your hand if, if you've lost someone in your life, you know, a family member. And about, you know, maybe a quarter or a third of the kids raised their hands, and then I said, raise your hand if you've lost a pet. And Virtually everybody in the room raised their hand, and there was this groan. I mean, and the room, it was palpably sad. And there was just silence. And for a whole room full of high school kids to be silent is pretty, pretty strange. So sadness, loss of a pet is really hard. Yeah, it better be. I mean, it should be, right? Like, it's not, if you put that much energy and investment and emotional um, attachment, in, into this creature that you've raised and taken care of and that's been with you through thick and thin, when that creature passes away, which, you know, if you're lucky, happens before you do, um, it's sad. Yeah. Do you think it's harder for, let's say, for kids to lose a pet than to lose, you know, say, a person in their life, like a grandparent or something? I know that's a tough, that's a crazy question, maybe. Well, no, it's only a crazy question, at least in my opinion, because it, it depends on the grandparent, depends on the pet, and right. depends on the kid. Right. So, so I don't think we can make sort of pronouncements like that. Like, but what's, like, what's, what's, the, what's, what's, what's so hard for all of us about the death of a pet? Because it's the first creature that you've experienced as you've grown older that you have unconditionally loved and that has unconditionally loved you back. And, by and, for, and for a kid, maybe that you've raised since it was a baby. Yeah, you, it was, like you, a, a little, it was a little your responsibility. And you go into it knowing that it's going to die. That, that its lifespan, if you have a big dog, its lifespan is what, 8, 12 years? Yeah, it, They're going to die. I, I, know, I know that's, that's the rational thing to say. I'm thinking about my dog, Bear. And just the other night when I was on the couch and Bear came up and cuddled next to me and I said, you know, you're my best friend, which I always say to him. And, um, and um, my oldest daughter said, you know, you don't, you never think that Bear's going to die. And she was right. I said, like, he's going to live forever. Now, I know rationally that he's going to go and I can't bear the thought of it. But I don't think about that, you know, these dogs have a lifespan. Because I think of them as, as, as forever. Because dogs give us permission to think of them that way. I, I, I'm serious. Um, because it's so simple, 
because it's so pristine, yeah. it's so straightforward, we, we don't think of the fact that they'll that they'll be gone someday. Well, is yeah, is it because that 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 human relationships are more complicated yes. and ambivalent and filled with conflict and and, and yeah. complexities that it makes it more difficult to deal with their death. Dogs are so. It's just very straightforward. Yeah, and cats, and, and even gerbils and guinea pigs, but dogs maybe especially because of that pack animal mentality. Look, look, you, you know my family. So um, on my wife's side of the family, it's Latvian. And uh, my mother-in-law is this sort of very serious, dour, uh, Eastern European roots. And, and it's a prototype, it's a cliche. I love her a lot, but boy, a dog did not make sense to her. Like, why would you spend extra money on food that you could put into savings to feed that four-legged creature that you allow into your house. So we get this first dog. First dog my wife's ever had. She had a chicken when really? she was growing up. Yeah, that her mom brought home from the lab that she called Chicky that followed her around like Conrad Lorenz did, but she never had a dog. So we bring this dog home, and my mother-in-law says in her thick Eastern European accent, um, you know he will die someday. That was her opening line. And I, I know my mother-in-law well enough. Um, <laughs> And so I was like, you know, you're right. He, he will. No, no question about that. That's the way it works. But it'll be really straightforward. There won't be conversations that I wish I'd had. There won't be my thoughts of, oh, I didn't tell him I love him enough. Th those things don't happen when the dog dies. The dog dies and it's sad. You know the Pete Seeger song, Blue, the dog. Yeah. I had a dog and his name was Blue. Yeah. That song matters because it's just he misses Blue. And when he gets to heaven, what's the first thing he'll do? He's going to go find Blue. Yeah. That's the whole point of it. So I think part of the reason we get pets is they mark these epochs, these periods in our lives, in our development. So do you think, they, do you think that they actually teach our kids how to deal with kind of love and love lost and death. Yeah, there's a literature on that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, by that I mean there's like a, an actual academic literature yeah. on that. Look, my dog right now, my big dog, has cancer. He's got lymphoma. Oh, it no, is, I didn't know that. Um, it's horribly sad. Thank you. It's horribly sad. Um, he's getting the chemotherapy. He puts up with it. His tail thumps in the, mo you know, in the door. Dogs the do pretty well with chemo. Much yeah. better than humans. Yeah, no, he's, yeah. Doing, he's doing okay. But I look at him and I remember when we got him, and my youngest daughter was four, and he was a puppy, and they would sit next to each other on the front step. I can't help but to have that memory, mm -hmm. and it's a lovely memory. And it makes me sad, like I could tear up thinking about it, but this is what I knew would happen someday when we brought the dog home, that I'll someday have the memory of the two of them on this front step, but the dog won't be there anymore. But I'll have that memory, mm -hmm. and that's, that's okay. Like that's something we should relish, that we should even celebrate that we get these memories, these gifts. Yeah. So, so um, we, um, it's interesting. So for, for uh, and I come from a, I'm a, from a secular family and, and we celebrate, you know, when we celebrate the holidays, the Jewish holidays like Hanukkah, we, we light candles, but we light them for the, the individuals in our family that have, has died. So every night there's a candle for, you know, my father and, and for, each of the animals that has died because they're like, they're like right next to my dad, you know. In oh, that, yeah. in that. <laughs> so ceremonially, you know, just having great, having the memories of those beings in yeah, our lives. Yeah, yeah. No, sometimes you make these um, these nutty decisions. I, I guess it seems nutty. Like one of our guinea pigs had this big lipoma, which is just medical ease for a fatty tumor. 
So these lipomas, these fatty tumors, that all guinea pigs get right around their hip, eventually they get so big that they pop. They, yeah, it's gross. That's disgusting. They look like craters. And we Let's found out about it because I got home and <laughs> Naomi, my youngest daughter, came running out of room, like screaming, like, ah! like she'd seen, it was like invasion of the body stairs. She's like, there's this thing in there. And it was, it was the guinea pig with this like tumor that had popped. And so we thought, what do we do? We took it to the vet. The vet said, look, it's gonna get infected. You can let it get infected and the guinea pig will probably pass away or you can have surgery done on it. And we thought a lot about it. Okay, the average lifespan of a guinea pig, somewhere between three to five years. We ended up going for the surgery because this guinea pig was the first creature that my youngest daughter had really taken responsibility mm. for. And it had meaning to her. Yeah. And we are lucky that we could afford to have this guinea pig taken yeah. care of in that way. The guinea pig, I'm happy to report, is doing very well. Um, <laughs> actually better than he ever did when he had that big lipoma weighing it. He actually literally weighs a gram less now wow. that that thing is gone. But these are, the, these are the kinds of decisions and discussions that pets force you to have with your kids, really. Like, is it worth taking care of this dog or this cat or this guinea pig? And people have very different opinions about it. And I think what matters less than the opinion is the fact that you have the discussion. Right, that you have to talk about it and you have to deal with it and you have to deal with the emotions. And then there's a decision-making about, you know, about. Uh, letting the animal go or not, I yep. mean, which is really tough. I mean, I, I remember when, when, when um, Toby, our, our um, Australian Shepherd, who died, you know, a year ago, um, two years ago this June, um, we had a long, we, we, we kept him going. He was, you know, despite the fact that he was going downhill, we kept him going for a really long time because he was just a happy guy. He wasn't suffering, but it got to the point where he really was struggling, and then and then it was a really really difficult conversation. You know, are we keeping this animal alive for him, or are we keeping this animal alive for us? Because we can't tolerate the losing loss. him. Yeah, we can't tolerate the loss. We right. can't tolerate we can't tolerate it. Right, and I think that's a that's a, such an important discussion to have uh, with with the family, with the kids, and and you know I think this is my personal opinion. You did the right thing. You let him go. Yeah, we let him go. Yeah. Which is really, really hard to do. But easier than watching him suffer. Right. Right. And that's the important so, thing. So the thing about pets is that, you know, we love them. They're loyal. We care about them. We take care of them. They take care of us. And at the end of life, if, you know, we, we suffer with them and we struggle to appreciate our own suffering and their suffering and the decision making around this this very, very, then it becomes, see, you keep saying that pets are simple a lot, and they are, but I don't think end of life is simple for anyone. Even with pets, I don't think it's as, I don't think it's as simple no, as- No, I, I think you're mis, I'm gonna disagree just slightly. I think you're misreading what I mean when I say simple. Um, I don't think it's a hard decision to let your dog go when your dog is suffering. Like, it, it's the right thing to do. And I, and I feel that way yeah. very strongly. I think that the feelings that are stirred up are complicated. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's yeah. different, you know? That is different, that is different. But that's also the gift that these animals give us. So look, let's get back to what we know something about. We're child yeah. psychiatrists. Right. So as child right. psychiatrists, people come to us and they say like, what do I do now that my dog has died? Or what do I do now that my dog is dying? And I think we can tell them 
this is actually the way it's supposed to be. That we're right? supposed to have a conversation about it. Yeah. And we're supposed to deal with it as a family. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about it. Talk about it. Right. Talk about it. That's what we say. Okay. And now it's the time of the show when we come to monumental mental health myths. So, Steve. And these, by the way, of course, will be thematic. So it's going to have to do with. It will have to do with. A pet dying. A pet dying. Yep. So here's one from Herman. Okay. Thank you, Herman. Herman had a good life. Um, It's not worth getting a pet because it's eventually going to die. Hmm. You know, I've heard people say that. Like, we're not going to get a pet because it's just going to be so dark. Well, your mother-in-law said that. She did. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, and I've heard that same thing, too. Like, it's only going to die, and it's only going to bring sorrow and grief and, you know, and, you know. Uh, and there's enough sorrow in the world already. And why, why, why get it? something that you're going to, you know it's going to bring about a loss. So why not protect your, your, your kids and yourself from the pain of a loss? So how is this a myth? It, it is painful. Why not protect yourself? If it's painful, shouldn't you protect your kids from it? Well, no, because what we've just talked about is is that it's a learning experience and the joy of having the animal and the joy that it brings to you and it brings to your family certainly outweighs the loss. I mean, we're all going to lose each other. I mean, one day or another. We don't talk about it with humans as much as we talk about it with pets because our lifespan is longer. But, you know... Why, why have relationships of any kind when you're going to lose them? I think that's the part, that's the, that's the part we can draw out as the myth inherent in the right. statement. Look, I was lucky enough to not have lost anyone close to me when my first dog died. And that is lucky because people lose people yeah. close to them. Yeah. But it gave me an opportunity to experience that loss and to talk about it with my parents. Yeah. And, I, and I think a loss is a loss. Yeah. It prepares you for things coming downstream. Right. So it's a skill building. It's a skill building. Yeah. So Herman, about whom we've established we know nothing, just for the record, has a myth for you. Okay. And the next monumental myth is <clears throat> don't tell your child if the family pet dies. What, what do you tell them? <laughs> like, like the dog's just not there one day. What do you... He yeah, ran like away. Fluffy's. He, he ran away, and he doesn't want to come back. He no longer loves you. Like, well, what you, you know, say? but that this used to be the case. I mean, this used to be that was the advice. Was, this was the advice that you know we would give to families, or I want to say we, kind of our psychologists, field. psychiatrists, yeah. our field would give. Don't tell them that you know Snoopy's gone. Snoopy's gone to heaven, you know. But it's. Don't tell them that. Don't tell them that. Just say, what do you say instead? Well. I can tell you what I was told. What were you told? I was told um, Bilbo, because my dad liked The Hobbit, <laughs> Bilbo, who was a beagle, who died. Yeah. I was told that Bilbo had been given away to a farm because he would be happier there. Really? And it was, cr- and my parents had been advised to say this by their pediatrician. <clears throat> really? But it was crushing to me. Like, why would Bilbo be happier at a farm than with me? Well, wouldn't it have been better if, if they just said, look, you know, Bilbo got sick, and he died. Yeah, that would have been better. I mean, kids know about death. I mean, they, 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 they know about death in stories and in fairy tales, and you know, they learn about death. And, you know, it's remote. It's not Bilbo. 
But why not just tell them the truth, that Bilbo died? And you have to adjust it, right, developmentally. Yeah. I mean, five-year-olds, that's about the age where people start to internalize the notion of death being permanent. Yeah. So you adjust it, and you're not taken aback if your three-year-old keeps expecting the dog to come back the next day right. after you've said it's dead. It takes a while. But, you know, the thing about, the thing about it, part of it is also your cultural background, your, your religion, your spiritual. I mean, we all deal with death in, death in different ways. And, um, you know, it's interesting. Um, my kids knew when the pet was dying. One of the things that we have, and it's not a horror movie, but we have a pet cemetery in the back behind the barn. There's this place that we've buried many of our animals. And we would have a ritual burial. We would have a ritual where we'd have the animal, the animal's in a box, it was often flowers, it was sometimes the collar, you know, it kind of felt like ancient <laughs> Egypt or something. But we, you know, we dug the hole, we would put the animal in, we would, we would everybody would put a rock on. I, I'm sorry, I just have to interrupt you because it reminds me of this story and I'm gonna tell it really quickly and then we'll wrap up. Um, when I was in high school, you know, one of those Party, you know, someone's parents go out of town, you have this big old party and everyone shows up. Somebody knocked the urn filled with the dog's ashes oh. off of the mantelpiece and we didn't know what to do. So we literally went to someone's house and just took some ashes out of the fireplace oh, no. and put it in the urn and just put it back on the mantelpiece. We figured they'll never know, they'll never check, the dog's urns are still there and it, and it was the idea that counted. Well, I actually have two boxes um, in my music room of Toby and Cricket. Um, Cricket was my English setter, and Toby was our Australian Shepherd, and they're in these beautiful little wooden boxes, and the ashes are right there. Now, I, I, we had thought that we were going to do some ritual with these ashes, but we've decided, or I guess the family decided, we're just going to kind of keep them, keep them in, in the house with us. So thanks for watching the show today, everybody, and I hope that we um, have raised some issues for you to talk about with your family and with your friends. And I don't think it was too grim. No, it, it wasn't grim. Actually, no. I, I, I thought it was going to be much harder than, than it was. No, I think it was okay. Yeah, I feel pretty good about it. Um, but do talk about it. And, um, but are you, we, are you said it was going to be sad. I think it was sad. Um, was it sad for you to talk about Bilbo? Yeah. Yeah, I still miss Bilbo. Yeah. yeah. But that's okay. So thanks for watching, and thanks let us know your thoughts. See you next time.